0: Welcome to the Color of Us. I'm so excited to introduce today's speaker, Stephanie Jack. Stephanie Jack is a Singaporean, Chinese, and Australian actor, singer, and writer. In 2020, she was recognized by Asia Link such as the University of Melbourne as one of 40 under 40 most influential Asian Australians. Her work recently includes playing Megan Lang in the critically acclaimed comedy series Deadlock, and the lead role in Michelle Law's play Miss Peony. From 2010 to 2020, Stephanie was training and working overseas in UK, USA, Russia, Singapore, and Shanghai. She graduated top of her BA drama cohort at the University of Bristol and completed an MFA in acting at Harvard's Arts MXAT Institute, including a summer abroad in Moscow Art Theater School. During 2019, Stephanie lived in Shanghai studying Mandarin and Kung Fu. She documented her journey in a YouTube vlog called Mixed Up. With the support of Asia Link and Arts Tasmania, Stephanie is developing a play loosely inspired by her time in China called Mixed Feelings. As an interdisciplinary artist creating across videos and music, Stephanie's work offers playful and poetic insights into personal acts of cultural reclamation. It's so wonderful to have you here today and I'm so excited for our conversation.
1: Thank you so much. It's really lovely to be chatting to you.
0: So I wanted to begin by asking you a little bit about your career. You're an actor, writer, and vocalist. What inspired you to pursue this career? And what are some of the obstacles that you've encountered?
1: Yeah, I think it happened quite organically. Um, I was definitely one of those children that was always um, pursuing something creative. I was always performing for my family, whether or not they wanted me to be. Um, I was always writing. And then when I was in school and university, that kind of just continued. So during high school, I did a lot of musicals. Um, And then I went to university to study drama. And during that time was kind of doing a combination of acting and writing and eventually decided I wanted to specialize more in acting. So I went to do um, the MFA in acting. Um, And I think when I graduated, there was also that necessity as an actor. It can be very hard to just pursue acting and to have a full kind of career and income just from that. So I kind of went back to also being a vocalist and a writer but the really nice thing I find particularly with writing and to some extent with being a vocalist is that it gets me to it gives me the ability to explore being multiracial and to um, sort of talk about that identity in a way that I don't necessarily get that opportunity as an actor if it's someone else's show or someone else's kind of script.
0: Speaking a little bit about your identity could you share your background with the listeners?
1: Yeah, so I am am Asian-Australian. So my mother is Singaporean Chinese and my father is white Australian of mostly Scottish and English descent. Um, I grew up in Australia and then I, well, as you kind of mentioned in the introduction, I ended up living in um, a number of different places as an adult and I am now back um, in Australia as of 2020.
0: That's wonderful. So being an actress, how do you feel being multiracial has influenced your craft? And what are your thoughts on multiracial representation in film and media? Yeah, I think it's influenced
1: um, maybe not so much my craft, but just this shape of my career. It has influenced it an enormous amount. I think that there's a constant conversation around what roles are appropriate for me to play or audition for. Um, There's definitely a lack of roles that perfectly fit at least um perfectly fit my racial identity um it's great when there are roles where that's left quite open um and any actor can kind of come on board the project and I've definitely had really amazing experiences where there haven't there hasn't been anything specific written and then they've maybe asked me what kind of um, family name do you feel comfortable with your character having and there's been that ability to have that input which is amazing but i wouldn't say that's the norm i think the norm is that there's something quite specific and i have to decide whether or not i feel comfortable doing it whether it's that the character is you know supposed to be chinese australian and not mixed and do i feel comfortable in that role and sometimes the answer will be yes, and sometimes it will be no. It will really depend on the type of character and what their struggles are um, or what their kind of family, yeah, what their situation is and what languages they speak and those kinds of things. So it can get quite, it's sort of, you know, obviously as an actor um, negotiating this career can also, can always be quite difficult, but with that added layer, it can be Um, quite complex, I think, for myself and even for my agents as well.
0: Like you were saying, I've noticed how in a lot of films, mixed-race actors and actresses are often cast as monoracial characters based on their specific identity. I've noticed that there's typically a lack of multiracial protagonists within media. Why do you think that is?
1: I think maybe initially, I mean, if we go quite far back, it might have just been because it was quite a small... Um, minority of people who were multiracial of course that's changed enormously over the past you know sort of 100 years or a lot more over the past maybe 50 years and so but I also think that it takes the industry a long time to catch up to those things and I think there's um, maybe a certain amount of I don't know if it's necessarily laziness or just a fear of doing something new Um, or having to do something new. So for, you know, writers, casting directors and all of that, I just wonder sometimes if they're kind of afraid to do something different to what they've always been doing and as a result um, not taking those steps, which is then really detrimental for everyone who's multiracial and like looking for that representation and needing that representation. Um, Yeah, but I, I mean, I do think it's obviously changing now but maybe not at the rate we wish it was
0: i want to talk a bit about your youtube project called mixed up can you tell the listeners a bit about that and what inspired you to start the project
1: yeah so mixed up is a youtube series that explores being mixed and explores chinese culture i started it in 2019 when i moved to china when i moved to shanghai to study mandarin and kung fu and i at the time i remember Um, searching um, on YouTube and trying to find something similar like particularly I was trying to find someone who was mixed who had some um, Chinese heritage and who was going to China and I remember just not really being able to find anything in that realm and so I thought okay maybe this is a space that people will be interested in and I'll document my own journey so I made some quite personal vlogs around my own experience of um being there and then I also started to interview people about um topics that I thought might be interesting such as you know what the differences were between um you know being an Asian male in China versus America and things like that so um, it sort of broadened its scope a little bit
0: yeah I love that you embrace both your multicultural identity as well as your multiracial identity. What do you see as the intersections between race and culture? And is it important for conversations about multiculturalism to also include multiracialism or vice versa? Yeah, yeah I
1: really, really love this question. It made me think a lot. I So one of the first things I was thinking of is, so I've done those in terms of Multiracialism. So I've done those, as I'm sure a lot of us have, those DNA tests where you, you know, can see your ancestry, and it was, it was essentially what I assumed it would be. But it was basically I'm 50% Southern Chinese and then 35% Scottish and like 15% English. Um, but the thing about that is, if you just look at that, that doesn't really um, encompass my cultural identity at all. You know, it's sort of um, it doesn't encompass, for instance, being Singaporean and Australian. It doesn't really um, show the histories of migration within my family and how important those are to my cultural identity. So I think it's really, um, for me, I feel like talking about multiracialism and talking about multiculturalism are sort of quite impossible to separate I feel like I constantly have to be talking about both of them for it to feel um, representative of me and my full identity in a way
0: that's really interesting in the podcast previously I know I've talked with several other speakers about kind of the balance between whether or not to take a DNA test and how and in some cases it can illuminate parts of our culture that we might not be aware of but in a lot of others it serves as that kind of division where instead of bracing a multiracial identity as a collective and like you said the culture and experiences that go into one's background it divides it strictly in terms of numbers so I always think there's an interesting nuance within DNA testing. Yeah I agree it's
1: yeah it's quite strange I mean even when I think about the ways we talk about ourselves as mixed people and some of the terminology I always find I occasionally find myself saying that I'm half Chinese and words like that but the words don't feel right (laughs) you know I'll kind of say it by way of explanation but I think that yeah the numbers and these these um like fractions it, it doesn't make any sense in a way how do you kind of divide yourself up into these parts yeah
0: speaking of your Asian culture I read in an interview that you decided to learn Chinese do you speak and write in Chinese and if so, Mandarin, Cantonese, what specific dialogue and at what age did you begin to learn the language? Also, what was the experience like being bilingual?
1: Yeah, um, please prompt me if I forget to answer part of that. <laughs> but, um. But yeah, so in terms of the first part of the question, so I speak com- basic conversational Mandarin now. I also can text and read basic um mandarin i'm all basic chinese and i can speak a very 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 small amount of fuchou dialect which is my mom's family's dialect um my mom actually speaks about five different dialects of chinese and she um i think partly because of that when i was a child i didn't actually really speak chinese at all i think partly it was because there were so many dialects being spoken in my family that it was hard to know which one to maybe choose or focus on and also because I was growing up primarily in Australia and even though I was going on trips to you know Asia with my mom I was still within this quite um, dominantly white English speaking context and it was really hard to learn um, the language and so I actually only really properly started to feel um, confident with Mandarin and started to use it when I was 27. And that's basically when I moved to China and I was fully immersed and actually going to Chinese classes every morning um, for a year and really, really learning it um, almost from scratch. You know, obviously I had been exposed to it a lot, but I was, yeah, I kind of really went back to basics and like learned it properly that way. So I feel significantly more confident with the language now, but it's definitely not something that I, um, it's something that I definitely struggled with um, in the past.
0: Yeah. That's really impressive that you were able to learn as an adult. For me, my father is Indian, and I didn't grow up speaking either Hindi or Tamil, which is the language from the part of India he's from. But now that I'm getting older and about to enter college, something that I really want to try to pursue but it's incredibly difficult when you don't grow up speaking the language now that you're back in Australia what are ways that you're trying to keep your connection to the language so you don't forget it yeah I mean I can talk to my mom Um,
1: that's really helpful and we try to practice as much as possible Um, I also have some Chinese friends here who I'm able to speak to in Chinese Um, and listen to I think though that it's a constant yeah it's a constant struggle finding ways to feel sort of immersed in the language and I do think that it would be the ideal scenario would be to spend a period of time every year immersed in the language to not sort of lose it Um, but I also try to integrate the language into projects as much as I can so for instance as a vocalist I try to Learn songs in Mandarin. And that's a really helpful way to keep it, to keep the language skills as well.
0: How does learning the language help you connect to that part of your identity? Yeah, I
1: think it's huge. I think I've always felt confident saying that I'm Singaporean or part Singaporean because in Singapore, there's multiple official languages and one of them is English. So it always felt like I could kind of claim that identity, whereas the sort of the Chinese part, like my my mom's family is Singaporean Chinese, and her father, so my grandfather was born in China, and then my grandmother wasn't born in China, but her family, like her parents, were. So you know, the Chinese heritage is quite recent, um, I would say, but I felt quite disconnected from it simply because of my lack of Chinese language skills, and so I think that. Um, learning to speak Mandarin has really increased the confidence with which I kind of feel ownership over the Chinese aspect of my identity and then it sort of created this because all my ancestors on that side ultimately are from China um, it sort of created this sense of maybe this kind of connection to ancestry in a way that I that I didn't feel before
0: You've lived in many different countries and cities. Have there been any differences in how you're perceived as a multiracial individual across these different areas you've lived in? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up until I was
1: 18 in Australia. I think during that time, I was around a lot of white friends, white family. I think I I still had a lot of influences from my mom in terms of um, always learning about Chinese culture but I definitely felt I definitely felt like a lot of the time I was really um, more in kind of a white space and I think I identified that way as a result and then I moved to the UK for university and I think during that even during that time, I don't think I was delving into my racial identity a lot. I felt like during that period of time living in England, if anything, I was more thinking about class rather than race. and I think maybe that's just um, something to do with um to do with England and the fact that class can seem quite present there. um moving to the u s for for grad school to do my m f a suddenly, I felt like I was really kind of looking at my racial identity and able to talk about it and that there was so much more conversation about it and that the Asian American community was was really um, becoming so much more empowered. So that was really exciting. I think in terms of how I've been perceived in Asia, um, it, it differs quite a lot within Singapore. I think there's more, uh, there are definitely more well-known people in Singapore who are mixed and potentially even white and Asian, so I think there's more of an acceptance there that I am mixed, whereas in China I was generally perceived as white. They often thought that I was Spanish or Portuguese or something, they would kind of just guess that I was from Europe. Um, So that was quite, that could in some time, in some cases, be quite alienating, especially because I was going there to reconnect with my heritage But I think that in that instance, that was where language came into play. And if I could speak some Mandarin and explain to them that my mom and her family was Chinese, then they would actually be quite welcoming. Um, So, yeah, it has it has definitely varied a lot in the different places. But I think I've also over time um, become a little more comfortable sitting with that confusion and with that fluidity and the fact that it it will change and shift depending on where I am.
0: At The Color of Us, the mission is to raise awareness, foster connection and conversation and elevate the voices of mixed race youth. As we conclude our conversation for today, is there any advice that you would give to my generation of multiracial, multicultural youth?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I would say is being able to feel confident and being able to feel ownership over all the different parts of your cultural and racial identity is so important. Um, and I think if it feels like there is an imbalance somewhere, or if there is something that, you know, someone's not sure if they can feel ownership over, really interrogating that and finding ways to sort of rebalance things or finding ways to. To be able to feel that confidence because I think it's really important um to have that I know there have been times in my life when I felt like there's this great imbalance potentially because of the societies I've been raised in or the education that I've had and it's been really one of the most fulfilling things to be able to feel a little more um confident in sort of speaking about all the different identities um, that I have. And so that's one of the, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things. And then I think also just, I sort of wish that I had started to explore it a little earlier because there are things like, for instance, learning languages in particular, you know, there are certain things that the earlier that you can start to do that, um, the easier it will probably be. Um, but I think that it's so great. For instance, this podcast is so great and I imagine that there'll be a lot of young people who will listen to um, these podcast episodes and be inspired to, you know, to do something um, to maybe, you know, I hope there's people who are inspired to maybe um, explore a different part of their cultural heritage that they maybe hadn't had the chance to explore as much.
0: Thank you so, so much for your time here today and for this wonderful conversation. I can't wait to share the episode with all of our listeners.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting, the work that you're doing. So it's such a pleasure to be a part of it.